Hi, I'm Elena Joe, and this is episode number 30 of Big Picture Relationships. Who are you really? I'm so excited to share these stories today. The whole time I've been doing this podcast, I've been thinking about sharing the big foundational life-altering realizations I got from two major experiences in my life that have completely shaped who I am today. And they're good touch points for me to remember, and I'm going to share those with you today. This is the final episode of season one. The rest of my 2019 is way too busy to give you guys the attention and creativity that you deserve. So I'll be gathering notes and putting things together. And after this, I'll see you back in January 2020. Let's jump right into those stories. Thanks so much for being here. This is Big Picture Relationships with Elena Joe, a therapist sharing insights, ideas, and real-life pep talks that encourage you to expand your perspective, maybe shift some behaviors, and make the most of real-life relationships so you can live a happy life right now. So I was 21 years old, and the job that I'd worked every summer since I was 14 didn't need me anymore. And I'm not just talking every summer. I used to go home from college at Thanksgiving break and work. I worked all the days of Christmas break. Like a job that was really part of my identity and I was quite proud of didn't need me. It was the end of my junior year of college. My best friend and roommate of three years was getting married when I hadn't even had a boyfriend all through college. And I was already feeling a little lost when I was deciding what to do for work that summer. And a wilderness program in my hometown was hiring, and it was based on the philosophy that I love, the Arbinger philosophy that I talked about in the an earlier episode, three-dimensional people. So I decided that I needed some experience in the field of working with people, and this was something I should do. So I interviewed over the phone. I never even laid eyes on anybody, and for some strange reason, they decided to hire me. So if you're not familiar with a wilderness program, I don't know. A lot of people think of it as like boot camp for teenagers, and it's really not that severe, but it's basically teenagers who are troubled teens or, I don't know, need a reset of some type, go to the wilderness and survive and hike and have therapeutic experiences, and I decided this is what I was going to do. So here I am. It's my first week out on the trail. This is staff training. We're sitting around, sweating our guts out in the desert of Arizona, and I didn't know a single soul there. I, even when I went to college, I had friends that had followed me there or kids I knew from my high school that I'd see at dances and stuff here and there, or I could call home to my parents or email old friends. But here I was in the desert of Arizona, surrounded by people who did not know me. They had met me that very week. And I found myself feeling a little bit like, they, they don't know how cool I am. How, they don't know how smart I am. Here I am sitting in like drab sand colored clothes with no makeup on. My hair's in a ponytail. Like these guys can't possibly know how pretty I am. And I, it sounds sort of silly now that I'm, you know, 38 year old Elena looking backwards at that. But it was one of those like, if a tree falls in the forest and no one hears it, does it make a sound? I sort of felt like if nobody here knows who I am and these people don't know me, do I know myself? Who am I really? And I was having a mild panic identity crisis. No joke. I have journal entries from those first few days sitting out there in the desert with new people where I was really quiet and reflective and really chewing on this idea a lot and trying to figure out that if I am a blank slate, if Elena is a blank slate to the people around her, 
How does she exist? Does she, who even is she? Does she even exist? And it's funny looking back, like it was a fun time. Those people were building friendships. And here I sat all isolated by myself under a scrubby juniper tree with ants crawling on my feet because there's no such thing as being bug free out there in the desert. While these new people were over catching crawdads in the creek and steaming them for dinner because, oh yeah, we were on survival these couple days eating whatever we could find. So I ate a lot of uh, like watercress type stuff out of the creek, but I didn't join them. So I didn't get any steamed crawdads for dinner. Okay, so after a few days of this staff training, then they took me and dropped me in a girls group. And all of a sudden, I was a leader. And here are a bunch of teenage girls that I got to sit around and hear their stories and hear, you know, about depression or overcoming self harming or the different needs that they had and the reason they were out in the desert. And we started hiking. Now, If you haven't hiked in the 110 degree Arizona desert before in June, July, August, let me tell you it's hot. One of the coolest tricks I learned was to get my clothes wet anytime I could. So anytime we were hiking by a creek and I was hot, I started bringing a long sleeve shirt with me out on the trail and would get it hot or get it wet so that I wouldn't be so hot. So just picture this. I'm hiking at the slow, creepy, crawly pace of reluctant teenage girls. And fighting off the panic that, oh my gosh, are we ever going to get to the end of this hike, which would take about a week. We would hike from Wednesday to Wednesday to get to the next destination where the therapist would come in and meet with the kids and bring in letters and bring in new food packs. So I just started surviving and getting to know these teenage girls. Well, this first week of mine on the trail already in identity crisis, right? Turned into real life crisis because one of the girls broke her wrist. So the senior guide with the only guide with us who knew what she was doing, took her ahead with the radio to go try to get medical help. And here it is me and another brand new coworker with five or six other teenage girls. And we're trying to follow a topographical map, which I'd never read before, to be fair. And we got hopelessly lost. And we're hike- we hiked all day long in the sun, zero water, picking up pebbles to put under our tongue and try to suck on a rock to try to keep some saliva in your mouth so you're not just drying out. It was really kind of a scary experience that day. We're up on the top of a mesa, a flat-topped mountain, and all of a sudden we see off to the side green. And you know what green means? water. So we're all like abandoning posts, running down this mountainside. It still took several hours. We were way high up there and it was kind of like every man for themselves heading for that greenery. I got to the bottom of the hill and as I walked up to a teeny little puddle that was more mud than water, a bunch of frogs jumped off the outside edge and plop landed in the water and I filled up my canteens and I drank. That's how thirsty I was, how dehydrated we were, and how scared we were. Well, we could hear the like lowing of cattle. And so we started following that sound and gathering up the girls who'd all made it down the mountain. And this story now that I'm telling you sort of has nothing to do with my point, but it's a fun story nonetheless. So hang out with me. Um, We found this crazy lady who lived in the Arizona desert. We're kind of in like scrubby trees, you know, near a creek. And she had a pet skunk. And she lived out there all by herself with no paved roads, not even a gravel road. She just said, hey, I figure if I survive, I survive. If I don't, I don't. But she could see that we hadn't had anything to eat for a few days. And we hadn't had very much water that day. So she made peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for everybody and invited us in. But here I am, this new staff thinking, wait a minute, this is a wilderness program. We're supposed to be primitive. Like, 
I decided to let the girls eat these peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, but we said, no thanks, we're going to sleep outside on your property if that's all right with you, because we're still a wilderness program, so we didn't even sleep inside. And 75% of the girls promptly threw up their peanut butter and jelly, because that's how dehydrated and sick we were, and a few of them couldn't stop throwing up. So the next morning... This woman says, well, I have a cell phone. I don't know if it works. And remember, this is 17 years ago. So she had this teeny little flip phone. And she said, there's one spot out in the corral where we get service. Uh, Sometimes, like if the winds are right or the satellites are in the right place. So she gets in her little pickup truck. And I'm standing in the back of the pickup, up tall, holding onto the roof as she's slowly driving around and my arm is stretched up to the sky with this little flip phone watching for there to be two bars of service so that I could call 911 and report our girls who were throwing up and ask them to call our program and tell them where we are. And so finally I got through to somebody and long story short, they came and rescued us. We went to our final destination and had great relief as we sat around under big trees and The therapist came and brought letters for the girls, and it was like, whew, we survived a week. I was relieved to be alive and also thinking to myself, I am never coming out on the trail again to to work this job. This is terrifying. But an interesting thing started to happen. We actually sat there for a couple of days, and people really liked me. It was so interesting. I had girls saying, Elena is so funny. Oh my gosh, Elena is so cool. And they would just be so complimentary of me. And the field director, who's in charge of all the all the staff, pulled me aside to have a one-on-one and kind of ask how I was doing and complimented my bravery, my tenacity, complimented how smart I'd been and what a cool head I'd kept. And I'm telling you guys all these things not to brag about myself, but to help you see that for the first time in my life, those compliments sunk deep into my soul and deep into my heart and identity, and I could really embrace them because the first time that I could recollect in my life, I did not hustle for those labels. I wasn't trying to be cool. I wasn't trying to be funny or trying to wow everybody with how smart I was. I was just being I was just helping some teenage girls survive, trying to survive myself, and I was just existing. And yet somehow this like cooler, truer, more funny, genuine, authentic version of myself emerged. Well, I decided to go back on the trail the next week and the week after that and the week after that. It was like a week on, a week off. And the rest of the summer went much the same. I always dreaded going back out in the desert, like anxiety dreams, and would really like psych myself out in my own head in my isolation about how terrifying it was going to be to be so out of control. But in the latter half of every single week, as the hike was winding down, and as I connected with amazing teenagers and these great staff, I just felt so alive and so real and so unconcerned about all the things that I'd been concerned about for my first 21 years. And that was an addictive feeling, people loving me and really enjoying me just for being me. So I spent eight weeks on the trail that summer, which is about 60 days of surviving in the desert, where I really feel like I found myself. I tell people when I talk about this wilderness experience that I really grew up in the desert, and it grew up in a wilderness program, even though I was not a student there, I was actually the staff. But when I wasn't trying so hard, when I wasn't hustling to be cool or awesome or to even to be pretty, like, hello, no makeup, no deodorant, you know what? In fact, I would bring one clean pair of underwear and socks and a clean t-shirt, and halfway through the week, I would change 
those key items of clothing, put the rest in my backpack. But we wore the same thing for a week. There was no washing your hair. There was barely enough water, though I did wash my hands and my feet and my face every night. That was like my self-regulating routine. But 60 days like that. And I ask you today, you who are listening, who are you when you're not trying? What things do people love about you without you having to prove your worth in those areas to them? What are the things that people say about you or when you're just focusing on others or just surviving, what are the cool things about you that come out? Now, not everyone can go on a wilderness experience like I did, which, by the way, I want to say that 17 years later, wilderness experiences are so much different and so much safer, and I really hope and plan to send my own kids on their own wilderness experience as they get older. And if you know somebody that needs a program like that now, ask me. I am happy to refer you. There are so many great and safe programs out there. So, but how can you, here and now today, quit hustling? And quit proving your worth? How can you quit trying to showcase that you are pretty or that you are cool or that you are smart or whatever your labels are that you're trying hard for? How can you just be and see what emerges? Because that's who you really are. And when you're not hustling for other people's approval, the spontaneous appreciation you, that you get, and when people say nice things about you and connect with you and really love you, it sinks so much deeper into your soul. And you will feel so much more peace and gratitude and just confidence in who you actually are. Now, the next Elena story, 10 years later, 31-year-old version of me, two marriages and three kids later, I was feeling kind of empty. I had little kids at home and I stayed home with them and I loved it. I enjoyed cooking and planning meals and we were like living paycheck to paycheck and only had one car. And those things I honestly wouldn't have even said at the time stressed me out. Looking back, I see that they did. But I really loved my kids and I'm an introvert by nature. I actually don't mind just my own company. So I really didn't feel lonely. I wouldn't say that I was in, you know, any postpartum depression, but I just was empty and I couldn't get past that agitated, unhappy feeling. And so I decided to go seek help. And here I am sitting in a therapist's office with a kindly woman and feeling guilty that I've dumped my kids on a neighbor to babysit them because remember, like one car, no money, all that. So here I am. And she says, Elena, it's so good to meet you. And we went through some background stuff. And then she said, tell me what's unique about you. And I stared at her like a deer in the headlights. She said, like, what makes you, you? What sets you apart from others? Like, how do you know that you're a good person, an interesting person? And you guys, I had nothing to give her. Remember, feeling empty at this time. So finally, I came up with, I said, you know, my kids are really happy. They are happy, healthy kids, and they seem really well adjusted. And so that has got to be a reflection of the goodness in me that I have raised kids that are doing so well and so happy. And she smiled and was like, yes, you are right. That's a precious gift you've given them. But what happens when they're not doing well? Or what happens when they make poor choices on their own? that reflect on you or what happens when they're teenagers and they don't like you anymore and they don't seem well adjusted. And my bubble was burst. I had nothing to give her. I don't know. So she sent me out of that first therapy session with an assignment. And she said, I need you to make a list of things that are unique about you. Traits that are yours. Traits that are Elena. 
And so I left with this homework assignment and I just had no idea. I had nothing that I could come up with because she had told me that traits, what she meant was something that's inherently part of who I am, traits that follow me wherever I would go in any setting or situation, and traits that belong to me, they couldn't be taken away by another person's actions, by a change of circumstance, or by a strained relationship. So almost the way that I thought it, traits that were like, if I was on a deserted island, all by myself, just me, or if I were in the federal witness protection program and picked up and dropped in another city, like what things of Elena or, you know, whatever my new FBI witness protection name would be, what traits would I have? What would I bring? Well, after being despondent over this assignment for a few days, I thought about the fact that I had recently repainted my master bedroom. When I moved into this old house, it was this dark, depressing teal color, and I finally got fed up with it and did all the work in a few days largely by myself, other than one heavy thing that I had to move and needed help, but painted it this beautiful, bright, you know, soft gray color, and it made all the difference. And I thought, wait a minute. I can paint a room in a day. Like, that is a trait of mine, that wherever I am, I know what to do. I could get the tape, the paint, the chairs, you know, get the work done and work during nap time like I had to for my kids at that time. But I could get that done. And that made me feel competent and capable. And then I realized I'm really a person that could make things happen. I can talk to strangers if I need to. I can make phone calls and dig around and get answers. I can find my way around a new city or a new place and not feel too much anxiety. And all of a sudden, all these things started to roll out for me as I found this new sense of competency and capableness for myself. And I started to think, wait a minute, there's a lot of great things about me, actually. And as I focused on that and added to it throughout the list, I was the week, I was so proud to bring this list back and show this to this counselor. And it was an amazing jumping off point to just a handful of sessions of therapy at that time that really helped me feel not empty and helped remind me that of course I'm going to feel empty if I couldn't fill myself up. My kids couldn't do it. My husband couldn't do it. Neighbors, friends, like it had to come from me. And in order for me to be full, I had to remember how great I am. So how great are you? And who are you? What are your traits? If you were to sit down right now and make a list of the traits that make you you, things that set you apart from some person on the street, things that can't be taken away from you when you've had a fight with your loved one or your marital status changes or your kids hate you or any of those things. What makes you, you? That's the foundation of who you are. And when you pair that realization of all these awesome traits that you have with the idea that you don't have to hustle and prove them to anybody else, all of a sudden, voila, that's who you are. As I ask the title episode of this question, you know, who are you really? I think the combination of these two stories, not hustling for labels, but just being, and also having a sense of completeness and competency at this list of things that are awesome about you, makes for this beautiful situation where you find yourself and you'll grow stronger and happier in who you really are. Thank you for listening to my two stories today. This is something that I've wanted to share for a while, and it's just an episode all about me today. But as this is the finale for season one of this podcast, I thought it was a good note to end on. My own life, my day job, my kids starting junior high and school, and this fall season of travel for me, plus the holidays, 
It is just nuts around here. And so I want to be able to give this podcast the attention it deserves. So I will be gathering ideas and recording episodes. And I hope to see you guys back in January of 2020. In the meantime, you can find me on Instagram. I'll still be posting there. And occasionally I may throw up a random episode or a bonus episode as well as on my website at elenajo.co. So if you'd like to be notified when those episodes come up, there's two things you can do. One, you could subscribe to the podcast uh, in wherever you get it, and then you'll get a notification if a bonus episode comes out before January. But you could also subscribe to my mailing list where on any time I put up an episode, I send you an email that also has the full text of it. So I'll make sure that that is in the show notes of this episode at elenajo.co. Thanks so much for joining me, and I hope you guys have a wonderful fall and holiday season, and I will talk to you next year. Visit www.elenajo.co for show notes and random photos, along with any handouts mentioned in this episode. Find elenajo.co on Instagram for daily big picture reminders. And join the big picture email list for an occasional pick-me-up in your inbox from Elena Joe. Thanks for joining us.